0: It is said amongst the indigenous peoples of this land, the First Nations, that one is not simply raised by their parents. A Guichin tribal member of Canada will often remark they were raised by the river. The Algonquin may say they were raised by the mountains. And the Potawatomi might say they were raised by the wild strawberries in a field. Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer, A citizen of the Potawatomi Nation and an ecologist who once taught at Transylvania University and Center College here in Kentucky would say she was raised by wild strawberries. She recalls her childhood in the fields chasing frogs with her friends, but also of the simple noticing, the mindfulness, the contemplation of the plants beneath them as they ran. One plant in particular was nothing to look at in the early spring until suddenly a dazzling little white flower would emerge as if a tiny white rose was blooming in the fields. The excitement of chasing frogs would increase as the little little flowers bloomed all around them. Soon enough, those white petals would begin falling and a green, green nub would remain where the joyful flower once was. Longer and warmer the days would become and the little green nub would turn white. Longer and warmer the days would continue. But Robin Kimmerer notes that her and her friends would eat the tiny white berry anyway, as sour as it was, impatient and eager for what was becoming right before them day after day. And then one day, as if out of nowhere, you could smell the change in the air. Ripe, wild strawberries would dot the fields of a summer morning, the sun warming the damp ground, the smell of rain and sweetness rising upward. The Potawatomi people look to the wild strawberries and say they are the leaders of the berries. It's a position of great importance in their tribal history. Legend has it, after the creation of the world, according to the Potawatomi, Sky Woman gave birth to a beloved daughter who grew to adulthood on the brand new Earth. She became beloved by all beings, but sadly, Sky Woman's daughter died during childbirth. Her mother was heartbroken and buried her daughter in the new Earth. In indigenous stories, we must remember death is not an ending. There's always more to be told. From the place where her daughter was buried emerged a final gift to the world, the strawberry, one of the most revered plants of the Potawatomi, coming from a buried daughter's heart. In the Potawatomi language, the word for strawberry is odemine, meaning the heart berry. Imagine such a story. Not necessarily a celestial being buried in the ground and giving birth, to berries and other plants. And not the creation story itself, but imagine the story behind the story. For the Potawatomi people, something as simple and abundant as wild strawberries are seen as gifts of nature. And what is that gift, one might wonder? It was simply the act of contemplation, of intention, of awareness. The act of eating a wild strawberry to the Potawatomi, was a reminder of our relationship with the earth. It was a gift that connected us to the cycle of the seasons, the blooming of spring, the ripeness of summer. It was a relationship that told us to wait, or else the strawberries would be sour. It was a relationship that made the heart sing, that danced with the morning dew of a summer dawn. It can be unusual to think of the simple act of eating wild berries as a gift. The earth is not consciously doing this for us. And we are eating to survive, we might tell ourselves. Or better said, we are eating to consume, to subsist. Clinical words make it clearer where the disconnect is. But for the indigenous peoples of this land, including the Shawnee, whose land we are on in this very moment, The act of eating was not merely to survive, to subsist. It was a sacred reminder of our relationship with the earth. And it is not just in eating they saw this relationship, but in everything. When was your last reminder of this deep connection to nature? When did you have a moment similar to experiencing wild strawberries in the warming days of May? Now, I was struck by this realization myself this weekend with family visiting from out of town at the Dupree Nature Preserve. There were no fields of wild strawberries, but you could still see wild ones tempting you with hints of red, but still the admonition to wait. Not yet, they said, just emerging from their stems. But no, it was the smell of wildflowers wafting over the wet air. Smells that could only be described as an earthy, almost jasmine-like sweetness. It was transcendent. It did not take me to another world, but the smell took me deeper into the earth, into the here and now, transcending the worries of my frantic mind. For me, that is the heart of transcendence as a religious naturalist. It is not an experience that takes me to an otherworldly place, but it reminds me of my connection with nature and reminds me that I am of nature and that deep down, no matter what is happening, there is still goodness to be found in being mindful of that creation, a connection. Now, I often don't like making points that require dissecting a word, but transcending means to overstep, to surpass, and to exceed And we often use that word in lofty, ethereal, supernatural ways. But what if it could mean for us right now to surpass the artificial divides we have created between ourselves and the natural world? That is a transcendence I could hope for. And that is the transcendence I experience surpassing those artificial divides between human and nature. When have you paused to notice the good smells of the earth around you? Was it a field of wild strawberries in early May? Perhaps the herbal decay of leaves in November? Perhaps it was the crispness of snowfall in January or the first rains of spring? I am almost certain that each and every one of us could call forth a memory of the seasons right now a smell that means summer, autumn, winter, or spring to each and every one of us. If we let it linger just a moment in our mind's eye, we could almost swear that it was real, that it was right here, right now. What images do we see? What sounds do we hear? Is it bluebirds singing happily? The rush of water, the hum of insects in the air? More and more, I remind myself of the way the Potawatomi approach the natural world and ask, What gifts are being given to remind us all of our connection to nature? I ask this question knowing that the earth simply is, that nature simply is, that the universe just is, that wild strawberries are evolved to be as appealing as possible, to spread their seeds by being consumed. But human beings are the great questioners of our planet, as far as we know. We wander and wonder and take notice, but we also forget, sometimes knowingly, our intrinsic connection to the natural world. But we are not above it. We might build skyscrapers and great empires. We may have split atoms and begun searching the stars. But we are still 18% carbon, just like the strawberries in the field. The bluebirds in the sky, the June bugs swarming our trees. Even with this, the question is still worth asking What are the gifts of the natural world that remind us of our interconnectedness with it? <clears throat> I happen to think that's a deeply personal question, not because it infringes upon some sort of taboo, but because it asks us to contemplate our own relationship with the source of our being, the source of our lives. In our reading today, Thomas Merton spoke to such a source. For him, as a Trappist Catholic monk, the answer was undoubtedly God. But for many of us gathered here this morning, the source of our being is the natural world, nothing more and nothing less. I read these words of Merton in wonder at their broadness. He speaks of a source, not a God specifically. He speaks of the sacredness of life, of being aware, and of discovering gratitude in that awareness of being alive. For human beings, much of how we express awareness and gratitude is in community. And by extension, the rituals that a community comes to celebrate and embody. Today is the weekend after May Day, when cultures across our world have lit bonfires and danced joyfully around colorful ribbons of maples. And one of these days, we will not have a soaking wet weekend and have our May pole back. Someone this morning said it should be the June pole, or maybe the April pole, or the July pole. May just isn't working out for us. But these simple rituals are reminders of greater truths. Summer will return, and life will endure. These were the truths that our ancestors believed and celebrated with these ancient rituals. But for us today in 2019, it is not enough to simply dance at the dawning of summer. It is not enough to go through the motions or just to remember history. It is not enough to try to reconstruct what once was. I wholeheartedly believe that for us today, on this May Day weekend, Whatever we do, however we celebrate the coming of summer or any moment, it must remind us of three things. First, we are of the earth. There is no separating our humanity from the natural world. Reality is nature, and nature is reality. Secondly, we should be in love with the earth in all that we do, all that we aspire to be and to become, in all that we hope. It should be rooted in a love for the one source we know and experience every single day. And third, that we should be heartbroken. If we truly love the earth, if we truly love anyone or anything, it can also break our hearts. And the ecological and existential threats our planet is facing are heartbreaking. On this weekend of May Day, when Celtic peoples of yesterday and today celebrated the coming of summer and the renewal of life, my sincerest hope is for all of us to rekindle in our hearts an abiding love and connection to that natural world which we are a part. From the poem we heard earlier from the late poet Mary Oliver comes this remarkable reflection. I don't know exactly what a prayer is, she wrote, But I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done, she continues? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I like to think Mary Oliver and Thomas Merton were on the same page, that their questions were rooted in a similar human impulse to notice, to take a deep breath, to give thanks for the gifts of the world around us and to remind us that we are alive. We are so deeply alive and capable of loving the earth. Have you fallen in love with the earth lately? That's a question you don't often hear but we should be asking it. As Mary Oliver said, I don't know what a prayer is, but I know how to pay attention. That is prayer enough. It's the prayer we heard in our children's story, the story of the cracked water jug, the story of paying attention to the blooming flowers only made possible because of imperfection in taking notice. It's the prayer of Thomas Merton reminding us to reconnect with the source of our lives, the earth, in all of its abundance. It's the prayer of the Potawatomi people celebrating the sweetness of wild strawberries as a reminder of our place in the web of life. And it's the prayer of this community here where we affirm life before death and love beyond belief. The warmth of summer is coming, though there may still be some dreary, sodden days to come. But may we be so emboldened to dance and to celebrate, to take notice of this wondrous world around us. May we give thanks for the gifts of nature, for our place in it, and for the coming of summer. Blessed be. Amen.